Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now then, lads and lasses, welcome to Rule the Roost podcast. I'm your host, Raj Baines, and joining me this week as ever is Sebastian stafford Blow. How are you, Seb? I'm okay, mate. Still going with Sebastian there? Of course we are. Um, it's your name. As Jack's mentioned it previously, he's not here this week. He's got other things to do. Apologies for that. Um, you're not missing out, obviously. You've got me and Seb, that's all you need. Um, Shots are fired. <laughs> Shots are fired, yeah. That's, um, if we were... Stupid enough to get T-shirts printed for the podcast or something like that. That'll definitely be one of the slogans that we'd have. That and hashtag Seb O'Clock would be two of the Seb oriented oriented T-shirts that we'd hashtag get made. Hashtag Grace as well. That 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 gets used a bit. You've not had that since the start of the podcast, really, though, have you? That's when you you first started coming in and and making waves in, in the podcast. A, a lot world. of early hostility in those yeah. days. Yeah. People, people weren't re- used to your uh, your opinions, in, but people have uh, uh, have uh, grown a little bit more accustomed to you now, haven't they? Or they've just stopped listening completely. That, that probably makes sense, to be honest. Yeah, that's probably, probably what. <laughs> I think it's just your mum that's left listening, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and hello to her as always. Um, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, anyway, Manchester City on the weekend, we lost one 0 at home. Um, I was a bit delirious watching it because I only woke up about 10 minutes before it kicked off because I'd watched in the boxing all night and made the decision not to nap beforehand and just crack on all the way through. So I wasn't in the, the greatest states to um, try and digest what had happened exactly. But what did you make of it all? I was happy with it. I um, Man City were a lot better than I expected them to be. I mean, they were they were greatly improved from what they've been the previous few weeks. But... Um, there were a couple of areas. I mean, uh, Ryan Mason had a, had a had a had a really difficult day, and I think that um, I think that the season has caught up with Harry Kane a little bit, um, and obviously Christian Eriksen. So the kind of the functionality between the two of them wasn't what it could have been. And I thought our play up till up to the final third was pretty good. I mean, um, we used the ball pretty well in midfield. Bentler played very well. Uh, Lamella's distribution was uh, you know a, a step on from what it was at Southampton. I thought he had a great game. Um, and it was a good performance. I, I, I saw the negativity, but then I, I, I see a lot of people who, who can't see past the loss and just, you know, when there's a loss, they feel they must respond with a, you know, a sort of ranty, emotionally intolerant, get Pochettino out, fire Levy into the sun kind of articles. I've seen a lot of those, but it was, it was a good performance against a good side. And, um, you know, have we been playing, uh, no lesser team? 
then um, and had we not been playing against Sergio Aguero, we'd have probably taken all three points from that. But it's the end of the season, and and I think you you know uh, you, you have to look at performance now rather than actual results. I know that's a cliche and it's a bit irritating, but it's true because it's just um, it's just not actually that relevant whether we win games at the moment. You made a point about the, the, the younger players perhaps dropping off, um, mm. Kane, Mason and Ericsson. That's somewhat understandable given it's probably it's Kane's full first season in the Premier League. He's done extremely well up until now. He probably will be feeling a slight bit fatigued. Um, Defences, especially some as good as the one Manchester City have got, will be concentrating on them on him a bit more than they would have done otherwise. Ryan Mason as well, He's we've heard about his injury problems several times and we know that this is his first breakout season. Slightly different for Ericsson, but he because he's played so much football, I think he's played more minutes outfield than anyone this he's year played, by quite some distance. Yeah, it's like 350 more minutes than any other outfield player. It's, it's not just, you know, a game or two. It's really quite substantial. And, that, and that's just uh, goes to show how little depth we have in his position so the fact that he's dropped off from before it doesn't really show that he's a bad player he he probably just has mentally and physically fatigued as the the season's gone on and when you look at the minutes he's played that's that's somewhat understandable and given that this year he's he's played a more dual role so he's actually been putting in a lot more effort than he would have done otherwise that will probably feed into the fact that he's not used to being this tired this early so it's there's lots of contributing factors to that but do you think that's the main thing do you think this season, given that the core of our squad are really just starting to find their feet, not only in the team, but in the league, they will kick on a bit more next year and they'll be able to, to play a full season next year as long as they're not spread too thin across Europa League commitments and the like. Yeah, I think so. I um, I think the season has taught us a couple of things. Um, and I, I, I do wish people, the point you've just made about fatigue, especially in those younger players, I do wish people would be a bit more logical about that and accept it. Because it's just, you know, it's one of the things you see time and time again, yet people always rage against it and dispute it. But season has taught us that you cannot play 38 game seasons with players who are in their first Premier League campaign. And also that you can't go through a season with a skeleton squad where they're really only... You know, in total, there are probably only about 14 or 15 viable players that Pochettino has to pick from, but also in a couple of positions. And you mentioned Ericsson. Either Ericsson plays or there's really no one else. I mean, I was, um, I can't remember who, apologies if it was you on Twitter, but um, uh, someone said to me, um, it, someone questioned Pochettino's use of Ericsson and, and argued with why he selects him. My answer was, well, who are you playing in place of him? You're not going to. I mean, I know Ryan Mason could theoretically play that role, possibly because he. But it's the same issue of fatigue, no matter who you play there between the two of them. Yeah, but my my, my point is, is that like he, I think he, the point he was trying to make was that you know rest Ericsson, put him on the bench, give a, a Mason, Polinio, or Dembele that number ten role for ninety minutes, and just give Ericsson the week off. But I don't. None of those three players I've mentioned are either. Um, Dembele could never play that role just because he he can't pass the ball forwards and he can't move with the ball forwards in any kind of decisive way. Polinio, I think is Polinio, I think is is more of a challenger to Mason's position in deep midfield. Um, and Mason himself, I, I don't know, I, I I like him where he is, and I think he's he's the best option for that part of the side. And you know, I'm, I'm happy to keep him there. And I I I I. I take the point about him playing a more advanced role when he's younger, but it, it's just different playing it at this level. Um, it's just not the same. 
going into next season, given that we've highlighted a lack of depth mm. with Christian Eriksen, there's not really a necessity to invest like, out of desperation. We do actually have two quite natural number 10s out on loan. We've got Alex Pritchard in the Championship, who's going to be playing in the playoffs with uh, Brentford. Yeah. We've got Lewis Holtby in, in Germany, and he'll probably be playing in a relegation playoff if they don't go down automatically. I've, I've not seen the, the league recently, but would you be happy to take either one of those or even perhaps both of those in the squad next year? Are there players that would be able to um, contribute to some extent? Well, my understanding of the Holtby situation is that transfer is done. Uh Regardless of their relegation. Well, that I don't know. But when he left, I I saw there was a video um, that crept online of, you know, Hamburg had been smashed by someone in the Bundesliga and and the fans got angry and Holtby actually went over to the fans to confront them in a kind of, um, you know, you sometimes see it in Italy when Totti or De Rossi goes over to the corner of the Olympico, Stadio Olimpico, and has a little bit of a natter with his own supporters. Holtby was doing that and he basically confirmed in the middle of that sort of argument that that he would be there next year because i think the accusation was well you're not trying because you're you know you're you're off back to england at the end of the season and he seemed to kind of contradict that so take that for what it's worth pritchard i i i've tried but since you know because our season's kind of petered out I've, I've i've been paying a little bit more attention to the championship lately and i've watched pritchard a couple of times um i saw him i saw him play against derby maybe three weeks ago four weeks ago and he played great, but I, I, um, I still don't feel confident in predicting what he can be in the Premier League because the Championship, with all due respect to it, and it's a, it's a great league, it's a lot of fun, and if you're not watching it, then you know, make sure you tune in for the playoffs. But it doesn't mean anything. It's not a, it, it doesn't provide any context which is relatable to the Premier League because you, know, you can see Alex Pritchard skipping past defenders and you know, scoring well-struck goals against good size, but I, I don't, I, I don't really know what that means. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I like the idea of him being given a chance though. I like, I don't want to see him come back to Tottenham and just be bounced back straight on loan. I'd like to see him be a part of the, the pre-season program and, and maybe given a few bench experiences because I, you know, we've seen, we've seen what Pochettino does with younger players and, and it's, it's exciting. And, and, more than anything else, I quite like that my club works like that. I don't. I would rather see. I'd rather you know be see Alex Pritchard prove himself um, in the first team than than watch us go and spend another twenty million pounds on a player who has to go through an adjustment, has to learn the language. You know, we have that you sort of inter fan base argument for the next six months about whether he's any good or not. I, I kind of had my fill of that stuff for for a while. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to to go out and spend uh, £8 million on a Stambouli-like squad filler player when you could theoretically have Pritchard trying to to learn his trade within the Premier League. And that'd be the point you made about the work that Pochettino's done with players is exactly right. That's what the work he's done with with Kane, Mason and probably Danny Rose the most. It shows that he can improve players on the training ground, which is a really good trait for a manager to have. But is there, is there anything from, else from the game that that you thought was worth talking about? I mean, we, we yeah, Larice. Um, I yeah, I, I want to. I, I would like to say something about Larice because I um, when he conceded that goal to Aguero, he took a bit of criticism for going down pretty early, um, but. Um, I mean, obviously, we always say this. Whenever Lloris does actually make an error, we always say the same thing, and that he, you know, has some respect. I mean, he's he's well in credit with us. But in that particular instance, 
I think you have to remember, firstly, how good a player Sergio Aguero is. And secondly, that um, that how many times have we watched Aguero being, uh, beat Lloris across his body? Um, happened a couple of times at the Etihad early in the season. I think as a goalkeeper, if you're, if you're put one-on-one with a player like that, the tendency is for, you know, for, for Lloris to, to distribute his way um, across his goal. Because that's that's what he's used to. The history is kind of working against him. And I think what you saw there was firstly a brilliant finish. Don't take anything away from Aguero because that was, that was just a wonderful bit of goal scoring. Um, but also Lloris learning from what's happened before. And I, I just, when a player is able to do that, has the composure to, to, to go through on goal, not just lash it wildly across goal, but just to, to, to stick it in the postage stamp in the top right-hand corner. You can't come out with platitudes about, well, a goalkeeper should never be beaten in his near post. Because that, that's a... That's a, a sort of um, an ex-outfield player pundit banality, which doesn't really ring that true. I mean, there are instances where, yes, it's the case, but it's not always accurate to uh, assess goalkeeping through that sort of prism. I wanted to ask you specifically about Vertonghen because he's been playing extremely well recently and last season before you were on the podcast the conversation me and Jack often used to have was the fact that people had criticised his um, his attitude or his body language or what have you and myself I was always very critical of people who would choose to do that because I'm not sure what level of quack um, psychology people were applying to it, sort of cod body language analysis that they were doing. Um, but it never really scanned for me the fact that, you know, they were suddenly turning on him after he'd, he'd had a great season. And understandably, what he did look extremely poor and the way he was holding himself didn't really help his cause. But the fact that people were using that as a stick to beat him with seemed a little bit easy and a bit cheap for me um, and I said that several times but you you, if I'm not um, if I'm not mistaken were actually wanting to, to go and sell him last summer weren't you? Yeah yeah I was. Can you I, can um... you apologise to me now Sebastian for <laughs> I still should have apologised I think you know what it was I I, um, I don't I don't um, completely retract that because uh, that's not sorry. What I saw from no, I know it's not a story. I, I, I know. Well, I'm going to work up to it. I, um, firstly, like it's got to be remembered what last season was. Um, and well, you remember how we all felt at this time last year and how it was just, um, it just stopped being fun. And, and I, I remember, I think I, I wrote something about Vertonghen um, just after that Anfield game where we were behind within a minute and it was one of the most dispiriting Spurs performances I've seen in a really long time. Uh, not just because of the scoreline, but but the, the lack of impression we left on them. And um, during that game, Vertonghen kind of limped listlessly out of it uh, and was never seen again until the World Cup. And, and I, I, I just... It wasn't the body language. It was a cumulative process. I, I You know, he, he'd made that mistake at Stamford Bridge the week before. And I what irritated me was that the gap between the kind of player we'd already seen him to be, because he is a good player, um, potentially excellent, um, and the player that he was a year ago. And I, my, my, my mindset was not, oh, look at his body language, sell him. It was a kind of, well, you don't want to be here. So if you don't want to be here, let's, 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 um, let's appreciate that he is worth something on the market. And if he wants to go, take the money and reinvest it. It wasn't a sort of, right, 
you know, punish him and get rid of him. I never want to see him wear the shirt again. I just, it was a sort of opportunity cost situation because we had this, this player who wasn't interested in signing a new contract, who wasn't at his best for the club and who, who didn't seem to be overly keen to give any reassurances or, or commit himself even verbally in the long term. And I, I think I've grown a little bit of a, a sensitivity to that over the years, which I think you're entitled to as a Tottenham fan because we've seen this so many times. And I was in a sort of... Yeah, you, you are a bit touchy. I am, I am, exactly. In hindsight, though, the fact that he wasn't performing to his level yeah. and given that what we know of, of how the players thought of Sherwood and the fact that they all essentially had come to the conclusion that he was a complete and utter fuckwit. If you were to put yourself in that his shoes and, and imagine yourself, maybe you have had a job previously where your boss has been a dickhead. I have, yeah. does, that not, does that not impact on your performance? Does that not make you want to perform less? I understand that football is, is viewed through different prisms because they're, they're doing a different job it's everyone's always seen as being extremely lucky to be a footballer mm-hmm. and to to boil it down to being a profession is um is, is something that's a bit taboo still but even on a very uh basic level is that not is that not something that, that could scan i'm not saying that is exactly the case not no saying he i agree should be entirely forgiven but the, the fact that he was there with somebody who was quite clearly going to be gone within a few weeks and the club was going backwards at that time and they weren't really sure as to what was going to happen um is it not slightly understandable that he he maybe took his feet off the pedal before the World Cup had come around? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think it absolutely is. And, and you know, with the benefit of the of hindsight, Sherwood's exit was very important. But it, I don't think it was just Sherwood. I think I think any time you have, like you said, any time you have a situation with an interim, it's kind of substitute teacher syndrome, isn't it? You know it doesn't really matter. So you mess about in the classroom and, and you, you don't get punished. And I think there was a bit of that. That doesn't excuse Vertonghen. I, I think his professionalism dropped to quite a poor level last year but having said that credit to him because the new managers come in his attitude has been markedly improved this year and credit to Pochettino as well because Vertonghen has been our best defender this year Um, and ultimately not selling him has proved to be absolutely the right decision so yeah no I'll I'll, I'll happily eat that um, that bit of humble pie I just I think it's hard to judge um, because I'm not I, I don't feel the same way about the side now as I did then but I think I was in the midst of a bit of a sulk um, well, you know what it's like. I mean, you, you remember. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. the, It was. A, I, I was at my. That was my. So that was the, the kind of the apex of my. Oh fuck off, Tottenham. State of mind. I just. It was so dispiriting, and and I. I didn't even really look forward to games. I. I would watch them, but just not. In, you know. You know when you watch Spurs games, you have that kind of weird fear and excitement, and it doesn't matter what it means or what's in play or who the opponent is. You always, always, always look forward to games. But I stopped last season because I just. I hated it. And um, yeah. I think I probably took a lot of that out on Vertonga, and I took a lot of it out on Sherwood, um, which I I don't take any of that back, but uh, <laughs> the Vertonga part, maybe. <laughs> you said that Vertonga had been our best defender this season. Do you mean central defender, yeah. or would you even have him over uh, Danny Rose? Well, I, I don't... Well, I, I still have him over Danny Rose as an out-and-out defender. I mean, he... No, but even this season, you'd say he was, he's been our best performer in a defensive role. Yes, if I was to give it an, an Oscar-type category. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. I still do, yeah. I, I don't... 
I so that's interesting because I imagine most people would go along with the narrative that Danny Rose is the, has had the best defensive season at Tottenham. Perhaps not himself as a defender, but his the, his contribution from left back, perhaps because it's taken so many by surprise and because Ben Davies hasn't been able to get himself off the ground as yet. It's um, I imagine he would perhaps get more accolades than than Vertonghen would. But it's it's interesting to to hear. Ooh, that. But do you, do you well, think that, if, if, I'm going to turn that around on you? Actually, do you think that? Right, Danny Rose has definitely improved, and he's been one of, you know, he's he's certainly within the, the our top five players this year. But um, how much of that is about his attacking contribution? Because I, I I see that he's improved as a defender, but I don't see that he's improved as a defender beyond the level of Vertonghen. I mean, I, I think he's a very important part of the side. I think he gives us an, an essential width going forward. But I still see, I mean. You know, it, it, this hasn't been a year without you know defensive calamities for Danny Rays, and I think that's. Do you not do you not agree with that? Yeah, of course I do. Um, I think the thing with Danny Rose is, of course, his, his attacking prowess yeah. has helped his um, his reputation grow. It's the fact that he's managed to look a steadier player and, and not seem like a calamity and seem like a liability whenever he's playing, as he did previously. Um, he, he seems a lot more sure of himself and he's a lot more confident in what he's doing, which has got a lot to do with how the, the manager has, has worked with him. And it's despite the fact that he's been part of a, such a shit defence and the fact that he's managed to improve despite being part of that unit is perhaps where the the you know the the praise should come for him because it's quite easy to if you're part of a defensive unit that is floundering it's easy to hide behind that and just say there's there's nothing I can do here but we're all as bad as each other and it's it's just a poor show from everybody all around but he's he's never really done that he's always given the side impetus and given that fullback is such a a dual role the fact that he's been able to do Perhaps he's definitely done the defensive part, even if there has been mistakes. He's definitely done the defensive part better than he ever has previously. And going forwards, he's he's made that a little bit more assured because previously he would be a bit of a headless chicken and be out of position and things like that. But he's he's been a lot more stringent in that uh, in that aspect. But if we were to to do the same sort of award thing mm. now that I've stumbled into some sort of uh, feature, feature um, like yeah if you, if you were to give the same sort of uh, player in a midfield role um, who who would be your midfielder of the season if I, if I had to push you for one mm, a difficult one because I, I mm, was either Ben we'll split him we'll do, we'll do, we'll, yeah we'll do central midfielders and then you can have a wide man and then centre forward picks itself Harry Kane we don't have to speak about him again but if you if you had to pick a wide what a wide midfielder and a central midfielder. Okay, well, wide midfielder, I'd say Chadley because um, I'm aware of his faults and he's a very frustrating player who only recently has learned that he must also run without the ball. Um, but you know, you, you can't look beyond his tangible contribution. Um, he scores some very important goals and and at some very important moments, and I, I think that he, to people who watch Tottenham in highlight form, he must look like a very very good player. To, to those of us who watch Tottenham on a 90-minute basis, less so, uh, because there are holes in his game. But I think he's done enough to kind of to go into next season as a you know as as a first choice. We'll have to see what happens over the summer first. But you know I, I, he's he's done enough to stay around, and he's done enough to kind of to correct a lot of the things that he didn't do last season. Um, well, he was the, he was the butt of of many oh, jokes yeah. last season. Yeah. He was, you know, there was rumours if not. 
it's been confirmed now that he was offered to several clubs in January to take him on loan. Uh, Swansea maybe was yep. one of them. And yeah, he just wasn't being able to, to find his form. But he, he he said he did quite a lot of work in the off season between the World Cup and and coming back. He's you know he spoke a lot in interviews about how he's changed his diet and how he's looking after himself a lot more than he used to. He's definitely looked slimmer and yeah. slightly faster than he had done previously. I'm not too sure about his uh, his man bobble haircut at the minute, <laughs> uh, which is a bit dodgy, but. Um, he has, as you say, he's contributed more than perhaps anyone had expected him to. He's he's been scoring goals um, at a rate that is that is fairly impressive, and he's he's been getting involved defensively, which is something that he he hadn't previously shown in his game. Yeah, that's that's which is which extremely encouraging lately, isn't it? That defensive. I mean, he he it, he. I noticed it a little bit against Southampton, but probably more so against City at the weekend. I thought he um, I thought he was pretty much excellent without the ball. But yeah, he um. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. He's a kind of give and take player, isn't he? I mean that that remember that Newcastle game where he um he scored the first goal. <laughs> it's classic those that's the archetypal Chadley performance. He scored the first goal, which is lovely. Great, great, great finish. And then thirty seconds into the second half, he he just gives the ball away inside our own half and they go and score. And it's just that stuff where you think if you could get rid of that in your game, you'd be an excellent player. But we'll see. But he's he's been good. And what about in the in the centre of the park? It's probably a, a decision between Bentaleb and Mason, isn't it? What are we not including Ericsson in that in that centre? Uh, yeah, you can do actually because there's no other category you can put in. I would put it between Bentaleb and Ericsson purely because, like Chadley, you don't like Ryan Mason. Do no, you? I really like Ryan Mason. I I just don't think he's as gifted a player as the other two. I think I I, I admire what he does, and I'm I'm a great fan of where he's come from this season and what he's been able to contribute. And I'm excited about what he might do in the future. But I, I think Bentleb is really special. I, I, I've been irritated lately um, by how many people have knocked Ericsson. Because I think back to that period, you know, sort of from about mid-November to the end of the year and, and early January, where Ericsson played very, very well for us in a team that wasn't playing that well. Where theoretically he would have been at his, most, his physical peak yeah. within the season. And then because all of a sudden he he's flagged and he hasn't been good over the last, maybe, I think... Since the um, since probably about March, he's been he's been pretty mundane. But I I don't like how many people have turned on him and how many articles I've seen which are very negative towards his contribution because he at his best he's a very special player and I know that he can flit in and out of games and that he he has trouble maintaining a level of influence. But um, he's still young. He as you said about fifteen minutes ago, 
He's learned to play a completely different role this year. And he has been run into the ground by the manager. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I think he's done a lot of good. Um, I don't think that's either the, the fault of the manager or him. I think it's the, but he's played so well that he's, he, he's warranted being in the team so much and the manager doesn't really have, he doesn't a, have an option. another option. No, I, I, I don't blame Pochettino for that at all. He's doing what he has to do. There's no one capable of replacing him at the moment. He doesn't have a credible understudy, so he has to play. And 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 also because he's set quite a high standard around the turn of the year, that's almost been used against him now. You're thinking, well, why are you not at that level now? He's like, well, you know, the guy, the guy turned up, you know, not game after game, but regularly in that period where we just scored a ridiculous amount of last-minute winners. Like, if you wanted the ball to fall to one person outside the edge of the box, it's always him. And I, I know that, you know, there, there are, you know, there are inefficiencies in his game and he can be quite frustrating, but you can't, you can't just dismiss what he's already contributed. Before we talk about Stoke in any detail, because that's who we've got to go play next away, um, these past couple of days have been sort of hijacked by these allegations coming out of Adebayor yeah. that his, his family have taken him for a ride and they've been you know, playing on his mind and his brother is some sort of master mobile thief. Um, that was weird. Yeah, I'm not going to lie; it was slightly amusing, but still, um, I feel sorry for the bloke a bit. Um, his fam, his sister apparently is renting out his properties without letting him know and kicking people out. Mm. What do you, what do you make of all that? Is because for me, um, we've we've stuck up for Adibayo numerous times um, with his personal life when he's had bereavements in his family, um, when he's had. You know the the juju thing. Yeah, yeah. You know we we the there was plenty of people yeah. you know falling over themselves to be culturally insensitive and and try and you know make belittle that. But I've, I've still to this day have no idea how much that that sort of thing plays on the mind of somebody from you know Togolese culture. Yeah. You know I'm the type of person that won't cross on the stairs and things. There are, there are things that worry me. And still to this day, even though I'm six foot five, won't let somebody step over my legs because I'm scared it'll stump my growth. Um, <laughs> There's, you know, there's, there's little, um, you know, people have weird little things, um, and I'm not about to to judge him for that. I'll, I'll judge him for perhaps having a terrible season and, yeah. and not being great when he's on the field, and and that's partly the reason why I wouldn't be too sad to see him go. But as a man and away from the field, he seems to be quite conflicted, um, which I don't think aids his um, his persona or, or his ability when he gets on the field because he, he's clearly being spread very thinly between his, his home life and his professional life. So what do you make of all that? Are you in the same camp as me as where you'll see him go slightly regretfully, but you'll understand the season, the, the reasons as to why he he's probably best off finding somewhere else to go? Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. I mean, I um, the thing is, with, with the revelations that came out yesterday, I, I can't possibly understand or relate to what it must be like to be um from his background and then to be earning his wealth and to then have his his the extent of um kind of assumed responsibility for the rest of his family i have no experience of what that must be like so i can't judge him on that and and also you know it's it's so unrelatable for most of us um that that you can't really um you can't really comprehend how you yourself might might react in that situation if you were a footballer, which is hard enough to imagine as it is, how how that kind of um, 
how that kind of drama in your in in, in the periphery of your life would would drain you as an athlete. I, I don't know, um, but I, I the thing about him is that I've always found him to be quite a likable human being, which is which is a really strange thing to say because so many people disagree with it. But I whenever you see him interviewed, he he's a very engaging personality, and, and when I when I read things like I did. You know, the, 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 I think either you or Jack shared it with 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 us on um, on the WhatsApp group. I believed every word he said. I don't know why. I just I find him very credible, and I I know what he is as a footballer, and I of course I do. But I don't know. There's there's a uh, there's a an appreciation for him. I I um even if you know he he's frustrating me at times. I just I I he when he goes. I wish him well. Maybe not in the same way as I would a, a Larice or someone who who's performed consistently well. But I, I just think, like you say, that there's a there's a degree of conflict in his life, um, and he's always seemed to be someone who's not quite at peace with who he is and where he's come from, and and how could he be? I mean, the guy the guy experienced something which just sounded as traumatic as it possibly. Yeah, you know, the the Togolese bus massacre. Just, I mean, I don't know what that would do to somebody. Um, and I have no reference points for that in my own life, thankfully. Uh, so I, I'm really hesitant to judge him as a human being. But I just, um, I hope he, I hope, I, I maybe it's a little bit too late in his career, but I, I would like to see him, um, you know, deliver on some of his talent at some point, and hopefully he'll find a situation which allows him to do that. I don't know if he can, but you know, I don't hold have any resentment towards him at all. I don't know about you not having any tragedy in your life, Seb. There was that time that Waitrose had run out of foie gras and you weren't able to have that for your, for your supper. I thought we said we'd never speak about that. <laughs> that was the, the, the darkest you, you time in your then, life. Yeah. No, you've done it on the air as well. I mean, how could you? How could you rake over that I can only I can only apologise for, for, for digging up that old wound. But um, we've had one question that somebody had sent in previously. Um, he's I'm not going to read his at name because it's very odd. But his name is Beasy apparently. I don't understand why people just can't use their own names on the internet, sir, to go, be honest. Mate, exactly. it, took, it took me long enough to persuade you to stop personifying an owl. Mm. Um, we're, we're working hard with... Uh, with Jack. With Jack, but um, we've had a, yeah, a question from this JBZ guy. Um, we've had another couple come in now, thankfully. Um, if Real Madrid decide to sell Bale back to us, but only if Kane is part of the deal, would you do it? Good question. Um, yes, yes, I would. Yeah, yeah, you would. You'd take Bale, yeah, back. because I um. I, 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 I've loved what Harry Kane has done this season, but if I, I'm looking from a pure footballing standpoint, not an emotional one. If you were to give me five years of... If you were to give me the next couple of years of Gareth Bale's career, which would likely be his peak, I, 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 I despite how he, how he left, I maintain that, that watching him in the flesh has been, was at times a real privilege. Um, and I love the story behind Harry Kane, and, and he's been brilliant this season, and well done to him, but... Bale is, Bale is a, a, a truly special player, um, whereas Harry Kane is, is a very good one, and it, it's different. And I, you know, I, I, um, I have a lot of I have a real soft spot for Gareth Bale. I, I, it was just wonderful to watch him grow uh, as a Tottenham player. It was, it was a good source of great pride to me as well. Bale or Modric? Modric. If you had to pick Modric, Modric well, uh, you know, I, that that's my sanity test. Is is that Modric? Question? Modric is is. Um, I, I I've been really lucky, and I've I've seen probably every uh, every great Premier League player in the flesh, which 
been very fortunate to do. Modric is right up there. Um, Modric is the guy that you only kind of, I don't, I don't want to be this guy, but he's the kind of player that, that you only really appreciate when you see him in the flesh, I think, um, because he's staggeringly good. And the, the only hesitation with that bell Modric thing is because Modric is a little bit older, so you wouldn't be getting as many years of his his prime as you would Bale's. But Modric is uh, Modric was staggering, really was. Yeah, I often I often say that if we lived in an ideal world, Modric would have been going for the fee that Bale did in the. Those if we two lived would in the right way around, he would have done. Yeah, I, I, I still yeah. maintain we got far too little for Modric for what he is as a player. Yeah. I mean, I, I see some of the kind of the people that are talked about as world-class midfielders and you just think you're having a laugh. You know I mean? I'm happy that um, we, we kept out for a season and didn't allow him go, to go to Chelsea because oh, that would have been painful, painful oh, to see dear. him do so well there. They would have been even better for, for having him. Um, Sam Tai has sent us a question um, asking, would you pay £30 million for Christian Benteke? For me, no, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan personally. Um, I'd, I'd keep on with Harry Kane rather than spend money on him. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I, I, I like Benteke. I, I, think he's, I think he's a good player. And, and uh, when he's at his very, very best, he's fantastic. But he, um, no, not for £30 million and not when we have Kane, no. Okay, that was fairly quick. Uh, Philippa B, um, Hello, Philippa. she says she's a she, yeah, she says she's a bereft Montpellier mm. fan. Um, she wants to know where is Benjamin St- Stambouli and what have we done with him? I'm not sure where he is to be honest. Um, he, uh, I've never seen a, a player slower. I think he he's not, he's not a particularly large guy, but he, he moves with all of the pace of a snail. He not to be too French about it. Jesus, a, a day before we're all going to go vote UKIP, I'm making French jokes. <laughs> this isn't good. Um, um, but yeah, I, he, he, I don't know what's happened with him. It seemed like a bit of a punt, didn't it, on ours? Because he was on our part because he was a bit cheap and we needed a player in that area. Apparently, he just seemed like a <laughs> we can do a deal, so let's do it. It was as that whole Levy wanting to do a deal thing behind that, I think. Oh, that's weird. Uh, Philip, by the way, if you don't follow Philippa, you absolutely should. She um, she writes for French Football Weekly, and that output is great if you want to um, if you want to keep in touch with Ligue 1. Um, she, she's actually, she was one of uh, Stambouli's biggest fans. And um, when when he signed, I remember reading a piece that she'd written about him, and, and he sounded ideal because she, she described him as just a, a player full of heart and full of all those kind of emotional qualities that we just couldn't get enough of. I think he's too full. Maybe that's why he doesn't move. <laughs> he's weighed down by heart. Yeah. <laughs> I um... don't know. But the thing is, I, I, I believe, I haven't seen a lot of him, but Philippa's opinion about him is good enough for me. And she's always maintained that he's a very good player. So um, he, I guess, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't see any evidence that he's been given a, a huge opportunity at Spurs. Um, I'm with you in the sense that it seemed like, a, you know, Levy just wanted to do a deal irrespective of whether he suited what we were trying to do. I think he probably is quite a good footballer. So I, I don't know. I um I don't know what we've done with him. Yeah, he'll he'll um he'll probably stay this year given yeah. that he's only just come in and just filling the squad a bit more next season with the likes of Kapu and what have you more likely to go. Even Dembele is probably gonna go uh, before he does. Yeah. Um because there'll be more clubs after him willing to pay a, a, a better fee, I'd we'll imagine. Get a good fee for Dembele, um, I would have thought. He's a good footballer. I mean Yeah. Probably get our fifteen million pound back because he's not that old. Um, Sean Taylor sent us a, a question. Um, you can answer this yes or no if mm. you like. Um, will Andros Townsend still be on the 
in the squad, I think he means, in in the squad come September the 1st. So when the summer window closes. Um, no. You think he's going to go? I think he'll be loaned. Loaned? That's, I, a, that's a big call. Well, if you asked me three weeks ago, I'd have, I'd have had a different answer for you, but something's happened. I, something's happened behind the scenes because he he's he's um he's been he seems to have been ushered into that corner where Kabul and Kapu are you know doing nothing um, because he he I don't know I, I'm not I'm not totally sure that Pochettino is um is convinced about Andros because I he, he just seems to without he's not injured he hasn't been suspended yet he's just vanished from the first team which I find weird so. I don't know. I mean, that's the only thing I'm going on. I, I quite like Andros Townsend. I think he's 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 a he's slightly underappreciated player, but I, I, it doesn't look like he will be. Yeah, we we sang his praises quite a, yeah. quite loudly a month or so ago because he was he was doing a lot a lot better than we'd previously seen yeah, him, and he was yeah, actually showing promise of of actually learning the game in a in an intellectual format rather than just running quickly towards a byline in a Theo Walcott manner. So yeah. I was I was taking a lot of heart from his performances. So it would be slightly strange for him to completely drop out of the side now, having having seen that. But as you say, you, you're not ever aware of what has gone on behind closed doors. Well, one, one one more thing on Tanzan actually is that like. He, he, he seems to have dropped out, but also Lamella seems to have started to play quite well. I know Lamella is not what we want him to be yet, but he has played notably better over these past few weeks, and, and I think Townsend might be a bit of a victim of that. Yeah, but for him to not be in the squad whatsoever is... is... It, it is odd. I mean, it just it, that, that's, that, that seems like a sort of... Um, some kind of personal circumstance thing, probably. I don't know. Um, we've got a couple just to finish off the pod. It's going to be a slightly shorter one because it is in the middle of the day and we've got other things to be doing. Um, this isn't our main concern, uh, sadly. Um, I'd love it if it was. This, this was the most stressful part. Yeah, if this yeah. is our job. Just chatting is... to each other, having a catch-up. Um, yeah. Danny Lee uh, says, who do you think is an actual viable option to bring in at centre-back. Uh, Alder Weirald is about the only one I can think of that meets the criteria. Um, there's yeah. there's rumours he's Southampton got a first choice on him and um, you know maybe even Atleti want him and, and try him actually play him next season because there's every chance that they could lose a player, Godin, even maybe next year. Um, yeah, I'd take him. I, 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 don't, I haven't really got round to thinking about I'm not a big kind of transfer guy, so I don't um, I don't make big lists of, of suitable targets. I, I if he if he was available and if there wasn't a clause um, that kind of gave Southampton uh, first choice on him, then then he's someone I'd like to see us take a take a run at definitely. Um, last one, then we'll go for somebody who calls himself JRSG. Um, who do you expect to start more games next year, Mason or Pritchard? I think we danced around that earlier, but not not in so many so many uh, words. What, what? Who do you think will be playing more next year for us? Are we? Are we? Yeah. Uh, if it's if it's about starting, I'd, I'd still say Mason. Yeah. I don't. I just because I, I don't have. I can't. I can't say 30 minutes ago that I don't know much about Alex Pritchard and then say that he's going to start <laughs> on the games. That's a bit ridiculous. Um, I um, No, I still think Mason, I, I, I like Mason. I think he's done a, a far better job than people appreciate. He's had a rubbish month, but he's done a lot of good and people shouldn't lose sight of that. He, he does a lot of things well. Um, and, you know, have some, have some patience. Um, I'd love to see Pritchard prove me wrong, but I, I, I'll go Mason. Excellent. There's nothing else we've got to talk about, is there? We've we've done but uh, Stoke. We well, I, I think actually we should quickly cover the uh, the Super League situation. <laughs> What's that? 
the Super League situation is that uh, the second week in a row... You scored more points than me. I'm just going to load it up. I did. I'm just going to load it up. Have a little bit of a Excellent. rundown. Just while you're loading the Super League up, I'll quickly do Stoke. Um, they're playing a lot better football under... under um, under Mark Hughes than they previously did under Pulis. Um, they've struggled a bit since, since the likes of injuries to Bojan and whatnot. They're not great, but they're not, you know, that typical rugby side of giants anymore. Uh, they are slightly winding down for the season now because they've, I think they've had the greatest season. Not Well, not greatest is probably a bit melodramatic. They've had the best season in the Premier League in terms hmm. of a points, um, points haul and, and performance haul. So they've, they've done very well. Um, going to Stoke is... It's a bit of a fallacy, really, that that place is a cauldron or a, or a fortress or what have you, because they do tend to lose quite often there. But they're one of the least predictable sides in the league, given that they can go to somewhere like us or to Manchester City and win. But over weeks, they'll lose to the likes of Burnley or someone at home. They're just not easy to call. So I imagine for a, for an end-of-season game, given that both teams are going to go out and try and play and just enjoy themselves, it'll be... Quite an entertaining watch. Um, I'd hope we just had enough about us to win it, to be honest. Especially given the the past few performances. If we play anywhere as well as we did against Manchester City, against them on the weekend, then we should win fairly comfortably, to be honest. Um, but if uh, before we do the Super League, if I can get a score prediction for you for Stoke. Oh, I think we'll win 2 now. Okay, I will take 2-1, uh, because we seem to do that quite often away. Um, and what what's the Super League situation, Seb? Well, we've had a, yeah, but it's a bit of a change in the guard going on at the moment. Uh, I think I'm still about a 1,000 a thousand points ahead, aren't well, I? Well, just, yeah, yeah, let's have our moment. RFC Tusk, manager Jack Husty, have had a bit of a renaissance. There's been a little bit of devious transfer working from uh, Mr. Hussey. I think he's been um, on Google quite hard, because he's, he's made some really good changes. Yeah, Trout has been vanquished from the starting 13. Um, and 450 game week points. Um, Baines, 13, manager Raj Baines. 598 game week points. And the Southern Owls, benefiting from another Joe Burgess hat-trick, 610 game week points. Uh, we'll leave the, the cumulative total out of it because that doesn't seem quite <laughs> I've, um, I actually, I've, I've made all, uh, I think I made it all four of my uh, monthly, sub- this is what, mo- I think, this is why I do so badly towards the end of the month is because I do all four interchanges at the start of the month because it doesn't work like fantasy football where you get one every week. You kind of have to ration them, but I don't. Yeah, I just, I, month, yeah, I, I zip through them all in the, the first Monday and um, and I've brought Burgess in. I think I've got Joe Tompkins and stuff like that, so it'll be interesting. Uh, let me ask you, when is the dead? Because I, I always get this wrong. When is the deadline for the transfers? When When's the last... Point in the week I imagine th- Thursday when the, the game week starts. Yeah, it's not though, because I've made this mistake loads of times. I finished work on a Thursday and thought, oh, Super League game at 8 o'clock tonight. Gone to change my team and it's locked. I always change it on a Monday, to be honest. After the okay. after the last game on a Sunday, um, at some point during Monday during the day, I'll, I'll have a gander at it and change it there. Because um, I've got it saved to my Safari uh, bookmarks so that I know when to click it it's next to the fantasy football so if I'm if I'm ever procrastinating as I often am um, it's just something to click on and, and fiddle about with so that's not a great way to describe what you do on your computer is it but um, yeah that, that, that's something you might want to edit nah, I'll keep it in uh, uh, I'm not embarrassed of 
my uh, my love of the Super League. Not that I do my that's that's not go there. But um, I think that's about it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about <laughs> it for this week, isn't it? Um, if you want to listen to old episodes of the podcast, uh, they're all on uh, SpursStatman.com. That's got some articles and shit on it as well. If you if you want to have a gander at that, if you want to send us any uh, articles or what have you um, yourself, we're, we're open to contributions. If you want to. Uh, Twitter at me, uh, at Baines13 in Roman numerals, or at SteveGen93. Um, um, follow us at RTRSSM or uh, Jack um, Petterford um, at Spurs Statman. And that's about it, isn't it? I've not missed anything out. No, you absolutely nailed that. Good stuff. If you want to do the, if you want to do the, uh, the, the traditional Jack, come on, you Spurs to win this year, Seb. No, you know what? I, I reckon we should preserve that because it's kind of like his signature. Uh, we'll we'll just leave it then. It's like I don't feel right doing that. It'd be like you know, I, I, I don't it's know, quite I a know. treat. Let's leave, let's leave it kind of. Let's leave an awkward silence instead, so that people remember. Yeah, I'm Jack just going to cut in that that old clip of you not being able to um, cope with the, <laughs> the, the the Skype call ending. But um, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for, for being with us. I think this might be one of the shortest ever episodes we've ever done, which I imagine will make people happy. It's been quite concise and, and, and drilled together. So um, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll compensate next week with a four-hour special of us just essentially ca- catching up with Jack. But um, that's it for this week. Um, just please make sure you go out and vote tomorrow. We don't care who you vote for. Spoil your ballot paper if you must. Just fucking make the effort. Have some self-respect and have you say. Ta-da. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.